0: It's four o'clock. You're listening to Perfect Health on Elastic FM with Elaine Godley. And here is Status Quo. And this is Elaine Godley. Welcome to Perfect Health on Elastic FM with Elaine Godley today. I'm joined in the studio by the lovely, lovely Sarah Auger and her son Owen who's got a sneaky day off school and uh, welcome to the studio and thank you so much for driving all the way from Cheshire.
1: Thanks Lane Um it's absolutely wonderful to be here we've had a lovely drive down it's been a beautiful day and we've seen some lovely scenery thank you for having us.
0: You're most welcome you've got uh, lots to say and um, your story is really quite um, quite interesting and heartbreaking at the same time isn't it and yeah and We'll, uh, we'll talk talk about that during, during the afternoon and um, you, as a result of um, things that have happened to you, you have a, a business which has got a fantastic name, so, so tell us what that is and what the website is so people can start having a look while they're, while they're listening to you this okay. during the programme.
1: Um, my business is called The Century Fairy. Um, I created it because I'd always wanted to be a fairy and um, as you do when you're younger, um, and the reason I called it The Sensory Fairy is because I help parents find sensory solutions for the children who have any kind of special educational needs and you can find um, my website over on www.thesensoryfairy.com So thank you for that, what, what is the connection then with, with special needs? Um my son Owen um was diagnosed with ADHD and learning difficulties um when he was younger and he has dyslexia as well. So we have um had many assessments over the years and um different strategies put in place in school um and and basically how we how we deal with things at home and when we're out shopping and everything. Um that's where my experience comes from it's experience of being a mother to a child who has got additional needs it's it's interesting isn't it how um, people
0: will Sort of make their own minds up about what they think goes on at home. Um, my son also has uh, special needs, and uh, my son has Asperger's syndrome, and he doesn't have a diagnosis of ADHD. But it's very clear to, to those who who know Andrew that you know there, there definitely is an aspect yeah. of that. Um, my daughter said to me recently, "Mother, I'm sure you've got ADHD as well." Um, cuz I'm 100 miles an hour and multitasking and so on and so forth so
1: um it does do go down the line like that yes. so if you do have a child with ADHD you know it's very possible that somebody mm. in your close family has actually got ADHD as well that just hasn't been diagnosed yet
0: yes yeah and and also I think with um I've, I specialize in behavioral profiling and have done for over 20 years now and I see the work that I do with people with with through the behaviors that there are certain behavior types who who are naturally um um ADhd is a is a wide ranging yes. um label isn't it yeah and to me pretty much it's you don't like doing things one at a time you're multitasking mm. so what big deal we've been doing it since since the world began you know yeah. and suddenly we've got a label
1: yeah
0: and uh, I, I think labels can be helpful but they can also be a hindrance. What, what, yeah. What's your view on the labelling of, of uh, um, these sort of things?
1: Well, the, for, the labelling for us and many other children that I know has helped get um, academically in school. It has helped us be able to get the resources in school. But then it, having that label with ADHD as well also um, comes with people. People think that children with ADHD are naughty children. Um so it does kind of come with um the downside to it as well. So I can see the good the good side of um of getting a diagnosis. I don't really like to call it labelling as such. Um it, it's a diagnosis that will help him in school i'm 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 of the same view and i think if you know
0: what you're dealing with then you can put strategies in place can't you to yeah, help yeah definitely um, and um i'm i'm all for it but i know a lot of people not of parents would, you know actually actively go against it so uh we are we are in the pro camp then by the sounds of things yeah
1: yeah um there's a lot of parents that um that don't want to get their children diagnosed with ADHD because they think of it as a bad thing. Mm-hmm. It's not always a bad thing. ADHD is absolutely wonderful, really. Um, it, you know, children with ADHD can be very, very creative and active. There's a lot of celebrities that have got ADHD as well, so there is a lot of positives from it. Um, I think it's just been given bad press in the years that... Um, a lot of parents are, are worried about getting that diagnosis.
0: I think um, in the main that's because it's misunderstood. It is, And um, as you say, man, there's so many positives and employers look for people who can multitask. Yes, um, definitely. I've, I've got... Um, a couple of uh clients I'm helping at the moment, um, sort of on an ad hoc basis, and they're looking for people who are flexible and can modify their behaviour yeah. and, and you know, be all things to all men. Yeah. And they're they're rare as hens teeth. So, um, you know, I I, I I'm very much um try and get yourself into a um a work environment where you're never gonna be bored. You've always got lots of things to do. Yeah. And um that's uh, that's that's good. So so Owen, who's here today, absolutely fantastic. And um I think we'll get you on the radio very soon. No, he's shaking his head, shaking his he, head. He was on
1: YouTube <laughs> um with a streamer a couple of nights ago in front of thousands of people. So um he, he kind of acts a bit shy, but he's not really.
0: Yeah, maybe if you perhaps come and sit in this desk where I'm sitting, no. <laughs> I was watch,
1: watching what I'm doing,
0: anyways, <laughs> and learning. So, uh, there we go. Budding uh, DJ, who knows? So, let's um, have a bit of Bob Marley, and then um, we will um, talk a bit more in a moment, Sarah. Okay. <whistles> I'm not worried either and I'm very happy to um, have uh, Sarah Auger in the studio today. And um, Sarah, you were just telling me that um, even a couple of days ago you were quite poorly. So we are very lucky and very happy to, to have you with us today. Yeah. So so tell
1: us about um, your poorliness. Um, I have got a pituitary tumour. Um, it's The pituitary gland is a pea-sized gland. It's in your head. Um, a lot of people say it's it's a brain tumour. And then there's a lot of people that say it's not a brain tumour. It's just kind of in the middle of your head near your brain. Um, And I have a small tumour on that gland. And I was diagnosed six years ago with it. Um, After a struggle um, of trying to get a diagnosis, I was told that it's not genetic. Um, So just because my mum had it, there wasn't a chance that I would have it at all. But then I found out they did a scan and I did have one. And then my sister was diagnosed with one as well. Um, And I asked them if they would remove it and they they wouldn't because um, of the size of it. It was only small and not causing any damage yet. There was some symptoms, but it wasn't causing any damage. And over the last five or six years, it has slowly caused damage. Um, Last year, I was diagnosed with secondary adrenal insufficiency. Um, So my pituitary tumour um, has damaged my pituitary gland doesn't send the right signals to my adrenal glands so my cortisol levels um, aren't aren't right really so in times of stress um stress of illness infections if I was in a car accident for example um where your your cortisol levels would just naturally rise mine don't So in those times of illness, I have to have um, replacement. So it's hydrocortisone each day. So a couple of weeks ago, I developed a sinus infection um, and it turns out to be quite a bad one. And because of that, I had to then start on the hydrocortisone to replace the cortisol in my body. So I've been very poorly the last um, couple of weeks and only in the last few days started actually feeling better. So it's
0: quite quite drastic. This tiny little thing that's um sort of the size of a pea,
1: perhaps, is it? Four millimeters. My the the gland is the size of a pea, but the tumour that grows on the gland is only four millimeters. But that tiny four millimeter tumour is doing so much damage to the rest of my body. So cortisol, um
0: when you're um, trying to get your, your, your cortisol kick started, um, the only way that um, medics know is to, is to pump you full of drugs. So, what what
1: side effects do you have um, when you when you're on the drugs? Um, the hydrocortisone it does make me feel quite sick and nauseous. Um, it's obviously the weight gain as well. Um, it does it does work and make helping me to feel better alongside antibiotics, but. Yeah, I, I'm being pumped full of all of these drugs, um, and you know I, I don't like it. It kind of affects my gut as well, so it's not very nice side effects. But if I were to leave it, um, I would be extremely poorly in hospital. Um, the only other thing that that could have been done it was to to remove the actual tumor a few years ago, so this wouldn't have happened. But we've we've passed that now. Um, So at my next appointment, I am going to be asking if they can remove the tumour because we can can already see in the test results that my growth hormone is starting to decline. So when you say you've passed that a few years ago, what what, what do you mean? Um, If they had removed my tumour um, two or three years ago when I asked them, um, I might not have developed secondary adrenal insufficiency. Right, I see. Um, so I wouldn't um, need to have the hydrocortisone replacement. How do you feel about that? I feel quite angry. Um, I, I do feel quite angry about it because I've I've always felt that I was kind of ignored. Um, when I wanted to get the diagnosis at first, um, I was kind of ignored and kind of fobbed off, saying it wasn't genetic, but there is some kind of link there. And I do feel if they had listened to me, and even if it is small, it's quality of life for a person. And um four millimetre tumour might not seem very big, but it it is causing the damage already and um, when it didn't need to. And even it's, it's causing
0: gut issues as well. Is that the medication that's causing the gut issues or or the effects of having the
1: tumour? Oh, no, that's the, the cause of the medication, medication um but the 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 pituitary gland controls so many things in your body it's a hormone gland so for example i produce um milk all of the time i have um milk in my breasts all of the time oh my goodness um so it does cause a lot of other things um problems with um your periods um high estrogen levels temperature it causes quite a lot of, of problems throughout the body good grief and it's caused other problems as well hasn't it far-reaching yes. problems um, yeah um tell us about tw- your twins so the um pituitary tumor also um it can make you infertile which it did for me and i had owen um He's going to be 13 next month. He was nine at the time when I got pregnant with the twins. I really wanted another child. So I went to the infertility clinic um, and they did some tests. Um, and I was I had a bit of treatment um, and I had a procedure. And I was pregnant with twins in December 2014. I was absolutely over the moon, shocked to be having twins. Um, but after a week um, I really got used to it and I was absolutely made up Um, but I started bleeding quite early on about 11 weeks I hemorrhaged quite heavily and was rushed to hospital and thought everything was over I was absolutely devastated and then on the scan it appeared both of them looked like they were waving at me and they were absolutely fine so it was a, a massive relief but the pregnancy from then 12 weeks, I was still bleeding. Um and when you've been trying for a child for so long, it, it it it's quite heartbreaking to think that you might lose your children at any time. It's it's a terrible, terrible feeling. So I didn't have a happy pregnancy. Um and then I reached 21 weeks. I wasn't feeling too well in, in work, I worked at the hospital. Um, So I took a week's leave um, to try and have a bit of a rest because my bump was already getting big and I just felt I needed a rest. And um, one day I went to go and put the wheelie bins outside and I walked back in the house. And as I walked back in, um, my waters broke and I was only 22 weeks pregnant. Um, It was a massive shock. because Nobody expects their waters to break at 22 weeks. I um, phoned my mum and my sister. Erwin was in bed asleep, unaware of anything that had happened. Um my sister came round, got him ready and took him to school. And um, we quite calmly, not we weren't panicked actually, we drove over to the hospital. Um and they had a little look and and put me on the monitor and said that I'd had something called prom Premature um it was premature rupture of um, the membranes, my waters had broken, Um, which then meant that I had to stay in hospital then, um, until the babies were born, and I spent six weeks in the hospital before they were born, and it was absolutely um, a heart-wrenching time, because at any time, I could go into labour, my babies would be born, and I was only 22 weeks, so um, I kind of was going through, I felt like I was going through grief, grief at that same time, Um, and it was, it was quite horrendous, I didn't sleep for about three nights, because I was just constantly crying, I was having steroid injections, and one thing they do when you, um have lost your waters that early they come round with some forms um the doctors come round with some forms and they discuss what will happen if you deliver your babies at 22 weeks and then they come again at 23 weeks and 24 weeks and they talk about what they think the best options are for if your babies arrive and the hospital were absolutely wonderful um the neonatal doctors were absolutely amazing, and they went through with me what would happen at twenty two weeks um that the 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 apparatus may be too big you know for their bodies um but that they were they were willing to try and help my babies at twenty two weeks, which I was shocked at because I didn't think they helped under twenty four weeks so um, I had a lot of trust in them then, that they were there to help me and my babies but I made the decision that if my babies came at 22 weeks I didn't want them to be hurt by a big apparatus um to just give pain relief. That was a really hard decision to make, nobody should ever have to make that decision but I made it and then at 23 weeks I said yes help them. So then every week, we, we made this arrangement. And then when I got to 26 weeks, I was finally allowed to go on, um, you know, the monitor where they put the straps around your belly. Yes, yeah. And um, I was in a ward full of other ladies whose waters had also broken. Um, and we'd all been there for weeks. And we ordered in a takeaway Chinese. And we had a Chinese banquet in our little room. Um There were four of us, four pregnant ladies, all of our waters had broken and we were celebrating because I was able to have my babies monitored. Um, And I made some really lovely friends in there. Um, Some of them had their babies. Um, One lady lost one of her twins and we were all heartbroken for her and we all went down to the chapel and um, I said a little prayer for her. Never thinking that it would actually happen to me. Um, because my babies were doing so well and then at 28 weeks um, my placenta ruptured and I was rushed through to the delivery suite that was on the Tuesday evening it wasn't very nice at all I was very scared Um, and I stayed in the delivery suite for three days with my placenta ruptured Um, I was being monitored and they said that both my babies were doing fine. The heartbeats were fine. There was nothing to worry about. And I just had to lay there on my back for three days while I was constantly monitored. Um, And then on the third day, a different consultant came in and examined me and said, no, you need to have these babies. You've lost too much blood. So then I was panicking then. Um, I was sent to theatre and my mum came with me. She sat beside me and there was about 25 people in the theatre because they had to have a team for each baby. There was neonatal nurses, um, there was paediatricians, there was the midwives, the um, anaesthetists. There was quite a lot of people there Um, and they gave me an epidural and they went ahead with the caesarean. And I could I could swear that I heard a little baby cry. Um, and I, I still never know if it did or not. Um, and then beside me um, was an incubator, a lot of people around it and a baby. And they said, um, this is your daughter, you know, what would you like to call her? And I said, Tilly. And they introduced me to Tilly. I couldn't touch her or anything though. And they said that they were just, she was um, ventilated. So she had a ventilator on. And they were taking her around to the neonatal intensive care unit. Um, Absolutely made up that I'd seen her. Um, And so they whisked her away. And then I asked um, when my other baby is delivered, can I see him too? Because I knew it was a boy and a girl. And they said um, he'd already been delivered, but he'd already been taken out. He'd already been taken out a different daughter neonatal unit. Um, which I was quite upset about and at the time I didn't think anything too serious was happening. I-, I knew to expect that my children would need to be ventilated. I knew that they might need some blood transfusions. They kind of prepared me for all of this that would happen so it wasn't a shock. Um, so I went to the recovery room. My mum wasn't allowed to stay with me but I knew that my two sisters and my mum um would be doing the best um you know having a look at the children and and they would let me know if anything happened after about what seemed it seemed hours but I think it was about an hour I was allowed to come out and I was wheeled around to Tilly's um intensive care unit and I met Tilly for the very first time she was absolutely tiny she was two pound five in weight she was the smallest um, and she had ventilator on. She had tubes in her belly button, wires, there was everything, lots of machines, um, lots of beeping, um, but that didn't phase me. I was just amazed at seeing my daughter and I was allowed to actually touch her fingers, her fingers and her hand were the size of my fingernail and she was just absolutely beautiful. I was absolutely made up. I asked if I could go and see Teddy then and I was told um, not at the moment, they were just um, trying to sort him out. So they wheeled me back to a ward, onto the maternity ward um, and said that I should be able to go in the next half an hour. So we waited there for a bit um, and I I still wasn't really, obviously I was concerned, most babies were intensive care but I thought everything would be okay. And then after about 10 minutes, they said I could go in. And I went into Teddy's neonatal unit. Teddy weighed 2.12 pounds. So he was actually heavier than his sister. Um, And you could tell he did look bigger as well. He was gorgeous with um, lovely brown hair. And he was ventilated. But he looked um, a lot more poorly than what Tilly did. He didn't look as pink and as healthy. And they explained to me that they had done some brain scans and that he had a bleed on the brain and they had repeated it and it was getting worse, that he had lost too much blood, they had given him um, two blood transfusions by then and that he was very poorly. They had tried um, different ventilators and there's a ventilator for the very, very sick children. It's kind of like the last one they use And they were using that and it wasn't really working as well as they wanted. Um, And just looking at him, his body was bruised from where they tried to save him eight eight or nine times before I had arrived. And as the the professor was talking with me, the machine started bleeping again and um, a female doctor ran round and started pressing on his chest again. And just without thinking, just mother's instinct, I shouted at them to stop. I just couldn't see him go through that anymore. I just knew instantly it was the right thing to do um, for him. I didn't want him to suffer. I had all of the the information that they had given me. Um, and seeing him, the state he was in, I, I couldn't have done that anymore. Um, I told him to turn his machines off. So they switched his machines off and they passed him to me and Teddy passed away on my chest um, on the 22nd of May 2015 at one minute past six. And how many hours old was he? He was three hours old. He was born at one minute past three until he was born at three minutes past three
0: amazing isn't it how these uh, minutes make a difference and i'm sure you often look at the clock and you you know you think what if and i do you know this time you know yeah years ago we know what was happening and so on
1: yeah i i was absolutely heartbroken yes i was absolutely made up i had to be made up because i had i just had a new baby as well and she was in the neonatal unit but my other child had died it's a really hard um hard thing to understand is you you can be really happy that you've just had a child and you can suffer extreme grief and loss and you have to have both of those emotions at the very same time and it's a very confusing and very extremely difficult time to go through but that th- I I think of it as that Teddy um it was Taddy's waters that broke at 22 weeks. Um, so had he decided it was time to come out, I may have lost both of my children. So Teddy kind of hung in there for six weeks to give his sister the best
0: chance. Oh, bless. I'm going to play um, this song now, which is the, one of your song choices. I know it's a very special song for you. And then uh, we will um, talk about Tilly in a moment. So this is Hushabye Mountain by Haley Westonra. What a beautiful, beautiful song. So um, that's a very special song for you, sir, isn't it? Because?
1: Um, That's a song that's one of the songs that we played at Teddy's funeral. Um, It it is one of my favourite songs. It's from Chitty Chitty Bang Bang. And I just absolutely love that song. I always loved it when I was younger. And when I was trying to look for a, a song to play at his funeral... Um I was listening to lots of different songs and tracks and this one came up and I just knew instantly, just the words. They're so soothing if you listen to the words, um I wanna soothe all his troubles away. Mm. So that's that's how I've helped him. So it's a very, very special song for me and sung by an absolutely beautiful voice as well. Indeed. Tell us about Tilly. Tilly is now three, she's going to be four this year, she came home from intensive care unit when she was just nine weeks old, she came off her oxygen at eight weeks old, so she did really well, she had um, a couple of blood transfusions, she had some infections, she did keep me um, on my toes, um, running up to the hospital every day to spend lots of time with her and um, and Owen came with me as well. He didn't mind. He was absolutely amazing. Um, the last three years, I have been have had their ups and downs. Tilly, because she was premature, has been quite ill with various things. She did have chronic lung disease, which is much better now. Um, but her immune system was very weak. So a couple of years ago, she's, she was ill for about four months and spent a lot of time in hospital. Um, and they found out that none of her injections had ever worked from when she was born or anything. So she was quite susceptible for some really dangerous um, conditions and that. So her health has been up and down. When she gets a cold. It takes longer for her to get over that. Um, and that was one of the reasons why... After maternity leave, I couldn't go back to my job at the hospital. That's the reason why I decided to to start the Century Fairy. But Tilly is absolutely wonderful. She's amazing, isn't she, Owen? And um, she has selective mutism. Um, So she can speak. She can understand everything that everybody says. um, But she she has an anxiety when she's around other people. Even without shopping, she won't always speak to me in front of other people. Mm. Um, And I think that stemmed back from an operation she had in 2016 um, where she got very poorly afterwards. So all the doctors were suddenly at her face, putting stuff in her mouth. um, And she became very anxious of people then. But she started preschool in September last year and very, very, very slowly has started really coming out of herself, and now talks to the teachers, um, and she's not shy at all with the family, or any of us at home, she's just absolutely amazing, um, she's just like any other, any other three-year-old now, and she's caught up with the height, and, um, We don't see any other difficulties. So she's absolutely amazing. Wonderful. And and with an amazing older brother as
0: well. He is just incredible. yes. Perfect. Absolutely perfect. Okay, let's uh, let's have some uh, Culture Club. I can't believe how old that record is. I still think of that as a new record. Um, I love that song. So that was... um, Culture Club and Karma Camellia. So we're joined in the studio now by um, Chrissy White, who is a shamanic healer and a an expert uh, in raw food and nutrition and um, all things wonderful. All things wise <laughs> and wonderful. That uh, reminds me of that him. So welcome in the studio Chrissy. Lovely Thank to you, have Eli. you back again great to be here again. So what's occurring in your world? Well I'm getting ready for our retreat
2: at the end of March. I can't believe we're almost into March already and the glorious weather I hope hints at what's in store up in the Lake District for the last weekend of March for our retreat and uh, I've got some exciting things up my sleeve. So we'll be spending three days immersed in nature and having beautiful healing food, the kind of food that switches on your longevity genes. will be meditating, learning to meditate if that's something that uh, our guests haven't experienced before and really understanding what it takes to either get well if there's a condition going on or to make sure that that condition never comes back if it's something that they've already healed from or to understand just what it takes to stay well in this world of toxicity and um, unfortunate circumstances. So it's very exciting.
0: I hadn't realised until recently that when we actually chose the date for that weekend, um, it's the 29th or the 31st of March, up in the Lake District, which ninth of March is a, a day that uh, everybody's been talking about, <laughs> <laughs> the Brexit day <laughs> or not. Um, and the 31st um, apparently is uh, Mother's Day.
2: Yes. So I learned just recently. um, I have to say, I've tried to um, let Mother's Day go in recent years and not pay too much attention to it. Um, So Brexit, of course, is something that may or may not happen. And either way, we're going north and... um, Who knows
0: where we'll end up? We'll get away from it all (laughs) and and teach people how to uh, live their life in balance. Indeed, uh, regardless of what's going on in the world
2: and and with politics, etc. Brilliant. In a
0: luxury, luxury uh, accommodation, which are 500-year-old farmhouses and cottages.
2: They Um, look really beautiful. I can't can't, wait to to be there.
0: Absolutely brilliant. So um, I'm going to play this uh, song now for uh, Sarah, because uh, while we were just uh, chatting off air... Um Sarah has shared you know a lot of her story with us, but it's also shared something else that we will talk about in a moment. So um this is Aretha Franklin and respect for you, Sarah, from me.
1: Oh thank
0: you. So there we go, that's um Aretha Franklin and Respect. So um Sarah, you were just adding to your story about about Owen. Um so tell us about Owen's eye condition that uh, appeared
1: Owen has got an eye condition called um, bi- chronic bilateral pan uveitis. He was diagnosed with it when he was about five. Um, it's an inflammation in the eyes. So it's the body attacking the eyes. And he had to have various little treatments like eye drops. One year he had to have his eyes dilated 24 hours a day and had to wear polarised glasses all of the time. Um that's when he had a flare-up. And then it was a week after I'd found out I was pregnant with the twins in December 2014. He woke up one morning and he had lost his vision. And it was a week before Christmas. Um, oh, no, it was three days before Christmas, sorry. He We went over to Alder Hay. And they know of his condition already. And they did a lot of tests and said that... Um, His condition had only been anterior at the front previously. It had now gone through all layers of his eyes. Um, So Owen had to spend Christmas in hospital. He was allowed home for a couple of hours on Christmas Day but had to go back because he was really poorly. Um, He spent about a week in there and they managed to, to save his eyesight. But because of the severity of it he then had to um, start methotrexate treatment, which is um, it's a lower-dose chemotherapy drug. So he started on the tablets mid-January and was horrendously vomiting that they changed him on to injections, weekly injections, um, and he was on them for two years. And they did make him sick every weekend. So he was made up when he was finally able to come off them. But his condition is a secondary condition to an autoimmune disease and most commonly it's um, rheumatoid arthritis in children, which Owen doesn't have. And they have run so many tests over the years that they have never been able to diagnose which autoimmune condition Owen has that causes the uveitis. So he hasn't had a flare-up now for four years But it could happen at any time. Um, And the only thing we've been told that it could impact when he's older um, is he won't be able to fly an aeroplane. But um, he doesn't let any of this stop him at all. When we found out four years ago when it happened, it was when I was just found out I was pregnant with the twins. Um, And when I had to go in hospital for six weeks, he went to go and live with his dad. So his dad had to administer his injections for him. Um, it was a very tough time on Owen because Owen was poorly. He was missing his mum and then his brother had died. His sister was in intensive care and Owen had to deal with all that. And um, towards the end of 2015, Owen um, felt suicidal. So it Hardly kind of all surprising. caught Goodness yeah. me. Um,
0: Owen's gone into the uh, kitchen, everybody. Owen's not listening to this no, at the moment. Not, no. um, so that's why uh, Sarah's um, telling us this now. So um, he's 13. He seems a lovely, lovely lad. Um, yeah. It's lovely for, you know, to bring him over he's here amazing. today. But what, what, a, what a lot for your families have gone through. I mean, it's you know, really quite remarkable.
1: It is. When you look back now and I think, how on earth am I still here now? How did I go through all that all that stress and the grief everything um and when people say to you, "Time's a great healer i used to i used to really dislike that saying "Time is a healer um but you know what it is so true time is has been a great healer for me. it really has i think over the last four years, I've learned that start doing things that make me happy, things that I want to do and that's how I've helped heal myself. Telling people my story has been a massive um a massive step in the healing process as well. So um I'm here today and I'm I'm happy. My children are happy. And um I run my business and yeah.
0: And you're doing this all on your own.
1: I am. Yes, I'm a single parent. Um, one thing um, that may shock a few people is that when I decided I wanted another child, um, I was already single. And um, I went to the infertility clinic and I got a donor that way. So I I chose to to stay a single parent with my twins as well. So I've, I've done this from the start. So I've, I've been single. Goodness me. Uh, no. I don't regret it at all. So you're
0: um your story a part of your story is a, in an upcoming book Monpreneurs on Fire 4
1: Mompreneur on Fire 4 yes that came out in January um it came out on Kindle and paperback and within 24 hours um on Kindle we were, we became number 1 best um and we we're absolutely made up about it and then it came back it came out on paperback um and the official book launch and book signing is being held in Waterstones in Nottingham on the 30th of March this year. So I'll be there signing everybody's books.
0: Haven't I already isn't this this is a deja vu? Haven't I already done
1: this? So you were there at the Montprenere on Fire 3 book launch.
0: Right, okay. I was gonna say, I'm sure I've done this. <laughs> it's like <Yeah. laughs> Ghost Ghost time. Um Okay, so, so you're in four, Jessica, who introduced us, who's yes, in three. three. Um, so, um, brilliant, number one bestseller on Amazon. Yes, fantastic.
1: And all thank you to the Mums in Business Association, Leona and Estelle, for giving me and the other 24 co-authors this absolutely amazing opportunity to become number one bestselling authors.
0: Fantastic. So um, let's turn to Chrissy. Chrissy White, hello again. Hello. (laughs) So, um, what is a shamanic healer? Well,
2: shamanic healing is healing that takes place outside of logical time, space, and the known day to day world. So, for example, we might journey with someone. Uh, We being myself and, and the client. And I would lead them through a journey, for example, to a part of their body that needs their attention, something that they aren't aware of in everyday life. And just to give you an example, it's very easy for us to be sidetracked by food and alcohol by relationships and by everyday life, caring for other people for example. So it's easy to forget what's going on in our own bodies if indeed we're even aware of it. So the shamanic journey is to enable someone to really discover something in a place within them that needs their attention and needs to be fixed and healed or released.
0: So so how do you know where to start? I mean somebody comes to you so feeling a bit poorly, not quite putting their finger on what's wrong. Mm, mm. Um, where 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 do you start? Well, it's my job
2: to guide the person and help them to use their own intuition. So they are in charge. I'm not guiding them in the sense that I'm leading them. I, I'm holding the space for them and creating the environment for them to be really relaxed and go with the flow, so to speak, so that their own intuition tells them where they need to be in their body, as it were, where their attention needs to be placed. And you'd be amazed. Absolutely everyone says, oh, I'm in my stomach, for example, or I'm in my brain or my left ear. Um, And we have been everywhere. (laughs) So it's often the case that if someone has a condition... Um, a serious life-threatening condition, let's say they've been diagnosed with a type of cancer um, and there's a tumour, then they may go to that place in their body where the tumour exists or they may go somewhere else where there's more of a causal experience going on the Chinese always say with, with five element Chinese medicine don't look at the organ that has the problem look at the organ prior to it in the cycle of energy and flow so uh, for example in Chinese medicine if you were looking at the heart and there was a problem with the heart then you would look at the organs that exist in the cycle prior to the heart in terms of the flow So that would be um, the liver and the eyes. Now, that might not make much sense in and of itself, but the point is there's always a cause, there's always an emotional cause, and it's usually a trauma, be it childhood trauma or trauma that we came in with, trauma that we inherited from our parents. And that's at the root of any discomfort, dis-ease, be it a simple headache or a life-threatening diagnosis. So to get someone to actually focus on what's going on in their body and forget about their mind, because the nature of the mind is always to fill us with fear and doubt and judgment, to get people to really focus on what's going on from the neck down requires them to step out of their own environment, their own routine. Um, It's best if they come to me, although I can work with them in their own home if that's what they need. The point is we create a space, a physical space that's very sacred and and very clear energetically and it's about helping them to really enter into their own energy system and use their intuition to hear their body's messages because our bodies never lie to us. It's just that we use our, our mind to Uh, divert from what's really going on that that's human nature so it's about what's going on from the neck down and which part of the body is really demanding our attention on that day
0: it's amazing isn't it how how few people actually know their bodies Mm. Mm. and, and then if they do pick up signals you know red flags that something's not right they then justify it. oh it's because of this it's because of that and uh, we talk ourselves out of things and oh I don't want to bother the doctor or oh it's it's oh it's nothing it'll pass and so on and then before you know where you are you know you've been putting up with something for years and by which time things are growing and growing and and getting worse and worse so you end up with um, a diagnosis that had it been detected earlier, you could have done something about a lot sooner and, and a lot lot quicker. And and also, few people realise how things can be reversed. No matter how dire the situation is, so many conditions, e- even you know, very very bad cancer diagnosis or um, you know, lots of lots of nasty things about, can actually be re- be reversed. And uh, I was listening to Dr. Rangan uh, Chatterjee on YouTube the other day, and he has a TED talk. Um, where he says, I can reverse disease. And, and you can, I mean, th- diabetes, uh, stage, not stage two, what do they call it? Diabetes two um, is reversible in 30 days if you do the right thing. You know, and it's, it's, none of this is rocket science, but um, people like us are considered a bit bonkers, aren't we, Chrissy? <laughs> <laughs> well, <laughs> yes, I've been doing this work for a very
2: long time, more than 20 years. So I've kind of got used to the bonkers approach that um, some people take towards me. Uh, I have to say, though, Nowadays, it's much easier to be in the world doing this work because people are much more open to it generally speaking and um you know yourself that that people often hand over responsibility for their health to their g p or anyone else really anyone other than themselves, because our bodies are seen to be quite mysterious, and let's face it, they are extraordinary, and it's a a pleasure and a a privilege to to have this physical body for for the lifetime. That we have them um, I would just urge people to get to understand their body more in terms of how they feel and you don't need to train in anatomy or physiology it's about understanding emotion because our, our emotions are always the indicator of what's really going on and as we said earlier our bodies never lie to us so if we have a headache well the chances are we're just dehydrated Or we need to open the window or switch the computer off or go for a walk. And our bodies are always signalling and telling us what's really going on. It's the degree to which we're prepared to listen and the degree to which we're prepared to trust ourselves and really use that intuition to hear what's really happening. And it's all around us. You you often see people who are... um, well, (laughs) a big one, is relationships. They're clearly in the wrong relationship. Or they just need to get real with each other, be honest and have a conversation about what each other wants. Perhaps they've never had that
0: conversation. I know some couples who are married but live apart and it works very, very well. Yes. You know, having somebody, I mean, I couldn't imagine now, Having been married three times, you know, <laughs> having somebody in my fa- in my face and my space, you know, get out, you know, <laughs> shove off. I don't, it's not something that I would I would particularly encourage. Um, but um, it is it is important if you're in a relationship to have the right one, um, or you know, decide that you're actually happy with the relationship with yourself. Uh, Sarah and I are well. In fact, we're all single here, aren't we? Yes. We're all single yeah. single ladies. Um, there's a song there, isn't there? Single ladies, uh, Beyonce. Single oh, think, ladies. Is there? Think, yes. Yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. I but think great. I might. I might find that. <laughs> I might find that. See if I can. If I can get that up. Um, the on the, the relationship thing.
2: we have with ourselves, though, is the most important one in our lives. And of course, we're raised to believe that indulging in that sort of level of self-interest is selfish in a bad way well yes it is selfish and selfish isn't necessarily a bad thing it's about preserving and enhancing ourselves and being the best version of ourselves we can possibly be therefore if we do meet someone that be with even if we're not living together we can have a relationship with someone that's very joyous healthy and and rewarding and We bring something really special to that relationship when we've done the work on ourselves and become the best version that we
0: can be. I'm very happy with my own company, a bit surprising how how few people are Mm. and they'll go out of their way to to be with people, very very needy people.
1: They feel they they need that relationship. They yes. do, yeah.
2: yes, because they're not content they, with their own company, and even in conversation, you, you will all, we've all heard the people often they're in families, um, who can, cannot bear silence. They have to fill the gap with any old nonsense, so they'll just keep speaking. Because silence is, is very uncomfortable
0: for, for a number a lot of people. That's another song there, isn't it? The tremolo, silence is golden. Yes. Oh, I'm full of it today. Yes. <laughs> I Simon some... and Garfunkel's Sound of Silence. Yes.
1: Yeah. We don't have any silence in our house. If, if you have any silence, I recommend kids. <laughs> <laughs> I'm on.
0: I'm on grandchildren now, and actually, they are silent. Um, my grandsons are 15 and 17 years old, and they are silent pretty much because they've got the head buried in YouTube or mm. you know headphones and games or, or whatever. So it does. It does get quieter, Sarah, as, as they get older. <laughs> okay, I've just found this this uh, song, ladies. oh 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 oh. So um. Single ladies from Beyonce, and we've got three single ladies in the studio here today. Very strong, tough cookies, and all very happy with ourselves. So, um, Chrissy, um, the shamanic healing bit um, sounds all a bit woo woo, but uh, we know how effective it is because um, we've seen the results uh, time and time again, haven't we? When people deal with their emotions at a very, very deep level, how then their their bodies start to heal rapidly.
2: Yes, we we just got to um, the part about uh, what happens. And um, what I didn't say is that once a person finds that place within themselves that needs their attention, then they begin to understand the packed emotions that are sort of stored in there it's a powerhouse of negativity and it's been smoldering away for decades sometimes so something that may have seemed like a small incident when they were ch- children for example or perhaps when they were married let's stay with our theme um And they figured, well, they've got over it, you know, we're all grown-ups, let's just get on with life and forget about it. That thing, whatever it is, that incident, the emotion attached to it, is still, as I said, smouldering away in there. So when we diffuse it and we do that through a special process of, I guess it's like a meditation, that's probably the best way I can describe it. It's a very gentle process, and the person concerned is the one who's in charge. As I said earlier, they decide how far they want to go. It's my job just to urge them a little further if I feel that they can go there. And um, diffuse the tension, the stress, the trauma. And it literally drops down into their cells. The tumour can just dissolve and become completely neutralised and then all of that debris drops down into the bloodstream, a bit like drinking a bottle of brandy. So it drops down into your bloodstream once it's gone through your digestive system and that way it passes out in the normal manner. So the next day there might be a major bathroom incident (laughs) and that's the trauma, that's the, the stress, tension and emotional deadlock Leaving. So it has a physical result. And that physical result is that then, as your cells reproduce, as of course we're all doing all the time, then you're reproducing healthy cells. You're not reproducing the blueprint of the trauma that was in there, as I said, smouldering away. So you have a lot more energy because it takes a heck of a lot of energy to keep all that trauma packed down. And all that energy that used to be used. To keep things in check is available to you on an everyday basis. And of course, your body is then in a much better position to heal itself because you've created the environment where the body can heal. And no disease can live in a body that is oxygenated, alkalized, higher vibrational. I'll come back to that in a moment and happy without all that emotional trauma. So it's simple and not easy. It's a principle that goes back through time to when time began. And the ancients, the shamans, knew about this many, many years ago. So, of course, we've had layer upon layer of chemical drugs introduced to us in the last 60 or 70 years. And they've kind of taken over in many, many ways. Whereas actually understanding how the body works and healing the trauma at source level will make a huge difference you need to do other things as well food is very important relationships the way that we speak the way we think how the choices we make in life so the emotional release work is powerful and essential and it's a great place to start um i mentioned something i was going to come back to and i'm having a blonde moment i forgot thank you high vibrational great so we all have a heartbeat. Therefore, we have a vibration because as the ripples of the heartbeat spread through our body, that creates a vibrational rate. So I hope everyone would agree that that is a fact. Now, when we're depressed or when we're ill or just struggling with something, perhaps extremely tired, our vibrational rate is really, really slow. It's a kind of mmm, mmm, mmm sort of level. When we feel happier, when things are going well, the sun comes out, someone's kind to us, a really lovely thing happens, our vibrational rate rises. Now that doesn't mean necessarily that your heartbeat becomes faster. It just means that the resonance that's spreading through your body and your brain is a higher frequency. And that means that we feel better. And the more that frequency rises, the better we feel. So you can see it's a self-fulfilling prophecy. And the highest vibration is when we're in love, we have this pure love running through our veins and we feel ecstatic. Now, back to our kind of theme for the day or one of them. You don't need another person in your life telling you how fabulous you are to have that feeling of love and joy running through you. We're back to self-love in a way. It's back to that choosing of a better feeling, emotion. Even if we're at our worst level, there's always something we can do to feel a bit better, even if it's just have a drink of water, get the body hydrated again. And I know it can be extremely difficult to make good choices when we're in a bad place. The point is, if you just choose something very, very gently that's a little bit better than where you are at the moment, it starts you on that road. You're on the first rung of the ladder to feeling better. So raising your vibration is, I know it sounds woo-woo, but actually it is a real thing. It's a thing and everyone can do it. Just put some music on that you love and dance. Get up and dance. The two pieces I've chosen are all about dancing, for me anyway, Um, two pieces of music. And so it is about taking responsibility, making choices that serve us really well and actually... Making sure that we are the architects of our own health and well-being and our own happiness—it's not up to someone else. It's up to us. It took me a long time to learn that one, and um, thank goodness I did.
0: So, talking about um, music, um, this next song—I um, don't even know if I can pronounce it—DJ Raskad Vincent something Salif. Oh, Salif right. Keita. Salif Keita. Yes, I don't know
2: who the DJ is. Right, I found okay. a, a version of this on YouTube, so uh, there may be other people involved in terms of who's playing it. It's Salif Keita. He's a, he's from Mali in West Africa, and um, I've always loved African music, and he's one musician that I've followed over many, many years. And this is a piece of music that I heard in... Um, London Fashion Week, many, many, many years ago, I was blessed to have a ticket for Betty Jackson's catwalk show. And uh, this is how it started. And all the models came out in Vietnamese coolie hats and the most beautiful printed sarongs and Eastern-inspired clothes. And this music was high-level, really loud, and I thought I was in heaven because I've always loved colour and design. And... um, that creative process. So that's-, that's
0: wonderful how things all kind of mesh in together. Yes. You mentioned catwalk mm. and Betty Jackson. Well, I'm wearing your <laughs> <laughs> your gifted uh, Betty Jackson scarf that you gave me a while ago. And uh, on the 29th, 30th weekend of March, Sarah here is going to be on a catwalk.
1: I am. And I'm going to be modelling um, some beautiful lingerie and dresses on a catwalk. Um, promoting um body confidence in women we should all love our bodies
2: absolutely Definitely. wonderful that's yeah. such a powerful even, message
1: even all the lumps and the bumps and the cesarean scars i love my own body um and i'm going to show it off
0: good for fabulous. you fabulous absolutely wonderful so here is Salif Keita
2: Salif Keita
0: Salif Keita him him as well
2: <laughs> him and his mate
0: yes <laughs> Well that's rather a rather a snazzy song there Chrissy.
2: <laughs> I hope you were all dancing.
0: Well at home yes or wherever <laughs> in, in the workplace so uh, welcome to everybody listening this afternoon I know we've got quite a few people um, listening in the uh, following for uh, this show is gradually increasing which is wonderful so hello everybody out there who's uh, who's listening now and um, while we've been on air I've had an email sent through to me which is a bit exciting um, be, we've um We've got two Amazon number one bestsellers in the room. So Sarah with the uh, Mompreneur on Fire four, um, and I also um, achieved co-authorship of a, a book uh, earlier on this year. Actually, no, last year. Now I was in the eighteen. A- we've, we've turned the corner, and um, it's called the Better Business Book Volume Four. And um, this today or yesterday rather, it's um, gone live on Audible. So um you can catch that on Audible, which is the Better Business book volume four, and um I have a chapter in there and it's all about behaviour and uh being careful who you choose to go in collaboration with and uh look at the behaviours of other people and yourself and see you know, make sure you're compatible, um which I have had my fingers burnt many a time. So um Chrissy, shamanic healing is part of what you do, raw food, nutrition, Tell us, tell us about that side of your work.
2: Yes, well, it's kind of shamanic food, and uh, that's how I like to think of it. It's about choosing the foods that really clean and nourish our bodies. And those are not necessarily the same foods. Certain foods clean, other foods nourish, and sometimes there is a powerful crossover. And once we start to eat those foods, then our bodies change, our biology changes, and we're less likely to be craving the kind of heavy, oily, carbohydrate-based foods that do corrode and rust us from the inside out and accelerate the ageing process. And when I say the ageing process, I'm not talking about the obsession with trivia and appearance that we have in the media all over the place. I'm talking about how our bodies can remain healthy For as long as we're alive, so that we can create a health span that equals our lifespan. The side effect of that is that you get to look great. It takes 20 years off your face and body. But the basis of it is the power of that kind of food and how it can literally heal your body and heal and contribute significantly to healing a condition.
0: So, give us some examples of the type of food you're talking about.
2: Okay, green foods, for example. Now, okay, I can see people yawning, thinking, oh no, not more green food. It actually is the kind of food that makes you come alive. If you could just make a green juice or even a green smoothie, and there is a significant difference because, of course, juice is extracting the juice from the pulp of the food, whereas smoothie making is blending the food. So everything is in there, and there's a a place for both in, in a healthy. Diet, healthy way of living. The foods that are organic and green, like kale, for example, I'm into kale in a big way, are incredibly cleansing, they give you energy, they also help to create protein in the body, and they can taste great. It doesn't have to be a sort of beige diet or a, a green, bitter drink. So one of the things I've learned over the years is how to make healthy food taste great, look attractive, be sensuous and interesting and have a gourmet level to it so that it can be party food. It can be dinner party food um, or it can just be a delicious supper that you might make for yourself very quickly on an evening in at home.
0: I have an oven at home. I very rarely use it these days, and I know your oven's broken, isn't it?
2: <laughs> <laughs> yes, it was badly wired many, many years ago, and it's going to be very, very expensive to fix. So actually, um, I just store jam jars ready for recycling, <laughs> or honey jars, I should say, mm-hmm. and uh, recycling stuff while I'm waiting to, to hoof it out of the house. So... Um, I don't use my oven. If I do cook, I have cooked food, especially in the winter in this country, because notwithstanding this little heat wave that we're having, it's too cold here in the winter to have raw food all the time. And so, for example, baked sweet potatoes. Delicious. Mm, Sweet potatoes sweep through your body very quickly. They're incredibly cleansing and and clearing. Very, very nourishing. And of course,
0: they really are a perfect example
2: of comfort food.
0: How do you bake them without an oven? Well,
2: I have just bought this little gizmo. Um, Well, actually, it was given to me. Um, It's like a mini oven. So I can now do baked potatoes for one (laughs) in the corner (laughs) without having to have an expensive oven and use the kind of fuel levels that uh, would be required to heat a whole main size oven for one person. So I'm getting through all of that. I'm cutting through all of that uh, sense of waste and still having delicious food.
0: Brilliant. I've decided that when my oven packs up, I'm not going to get another oven. Um, when I live down on the farm in Malmesbury, um, down there we have a variety of different cooking gadgetries, and Steve's got this uh, this new gizmo, and it's it's just it looks like a microwave. It's not, and as you know, I wouldn't, wouldn't give a microwave a house house room. Um, because all of the food that's cooked in the microwave is no nutritional value whatsoever, so you may as well eat the cardboard box. But um, I'm sorely tempted um, at some stage to get one of these little uh, gizmos, yeah. Uh, comfort food for one.
2: Yes, exactly. <laughs> and uh, I'm quite excited about it, actually. So we'll see. But I do eat a lot of raw food. I think a good way to start with raw food, though, and, and the, just the term can be so off-putting, I like to think of it as plant-based food. Um, it can be vegan it doesn't have to be because of course vegan isn't necessarily healthy just because it doesn't have an animal ingredient doesn't mean that all the ingredients are healthy so do take care with that and a good way to start is having a 50 50 meal so you might have a cooked piece of I don't know even meat or fish not something I'm particularly interested in and a huge salad my favorite kale and avocado salad for example So you're having 50% plant-based, raw, powerful nutrition, as well as something that's familiar and probably cooked. So it's a great way to start. And in fact, if people did just go 50% raw, making sure that those raw ingredients are organic and clean and clear, then health would improve significantly.
0: And we'll be introducing people to this way of living at our retreat, won't we, on we the will indeed. 29th to the 31st of March yes. this year?
2: So there's nothing to be alarmed by in the sense that it doesn't have to be a shock. The trick is to introduce a few new ingredients gradually and when you feel ready. And that way, as I said earlier, your biology changes naturally and you stop being attracted to KFC or any of those other horrific uh, ready meal instant food type things and you actually do crave something much more nourishing and satisfying because so much fast food now is just empty calories there's zero nutrition there as you said you might as well Mm -hmm. eat the container for what
0: absolutely uh, full full of sugar full of salt the wrong sort of salt
2: exactly and of, of course those foods also have lots of chemicals in and that way your your biology is tricked into wanting more and more and more It's a sort of um, taste enhancer type thing. Add to that the fact that there's no nutrition. So in 20 minutes or so, you're going to be hungry again. But of course, all those calories, empty calories have been piled on. And it's a massive part of the reason why so many young people these days are much bigger than they need to be. And um, they're addicted. They're addicted to, to these... Fast food regimes.
0: I heard a, a doctor recently saying that um, we we don't have an obesity um, uh, epidemic so much as a malnutrition. So people can be big but undernourished. Exactly. So um, yeah, there's there's so many different ways mm. of looking at this. But mm. um, eating food is as uh, close to nature as possible is the best way to get the vitamins and nutrients into, isn't it?
2: Definitely. And we do need to supplement these days as well, because even with organic food, the soil is more depleted than it's ever been. And so we're not getting everything we need from natural food. We do need plant-based supplements, a few, not a whole house full, just a few carefully chosen ones. And to understand where our needs lie. For example, there's a wonderful herb called ashwagandha, which is excellent if you have thyroid problems. Just throw it into a drink, a smoothie, and within a few weeks, pretty much any thyroid issue would be improved significantly. That's just one example. They don't. No one has to go in for thyroid medication. I can't remember the names of them. Um Thyroxine. Or worse, still surgery yeah. uh, or hormone um, enhancers that are basically chemically made. So it's just not necessary.
0: Food, Sarah. What's your What's your favourite food? What's your go to comfort food?
1: My go to comfort food. Oh. Um. My go-to comfort foods, this is might sound really strange, I just like mince and gravy. <laughs> mince and gravy. <laughs> you know, I, I love all different foods, but my comfort foods, ever since I was a child, on bonfire night, has been mince and gravy. And I know people say it's high in salt, and you shouldn't have the salt, but another one of my medical conditions is, um, is that I lack salt i lose too much salt so i'm supposed to increase my salt intake this the, the, this is crazy. complete myth
0: salt is not the problem yeah. it's the type of salt processed yeah. salt is a problem yeah. the ready salt you get at the fish and chip shop but But uh, rock salt, sea salt, even Himalayan pink salt. Yeah, I've started using the Himalayan pink salt. The rock salt and the sea salt are more beneficial to you because they have more minerals in in higher quantities. The Himalayan salt has something like 99 or 101 minerals, but they're only trace um, bits of them. Whereas the rock and the sea salt um, have a higher, higher potency, shall we say, so... Um, no salt, salt is not an issue. It's it, no. it, it's a myth. I changed so.
1: over to the um, Himalayan pink salt. Um, it was about ten months ago now. Yeah, it was about ten months ago where I decided last year that my the way I eat needed completely changing. So I I did start at a different plan with a lady that I know, and it was all um, raw, you know, raw based nothing. And, and I did feel the benefits, but I have in the last few months stop doing that and maybe that's now why that's why you're here today to inspire you to get back on it yeah definitely
0: Mm. wonderful
2: it's only human nature that we sort of fall off the wagon if I can use that expression it happens to everyone it's happened to me I'm certainly not pure raw or plant-based you know I, I eat what I want to eat fortunately now I've got that down to a fine art and I generally have food that really supports me so as you were saying, Elaine, it's definitely the type of salt. And with the cleanest sea salt, the Portuguese sea salt is very good, um, as is Icelandic, if you can get it. With the best quality sea salt and the best quality water, you've actually got a combination that could be used in a blood transfusion. It could be introduced to the body whilst the blood was being changed over on a temporary basis and the body would be completely oblivious to the change, to the difference. It's that good. So it's just one example. You can Google all of that, but it's one example of how powerfully nutritious and how similar to the body's own fluids that combination of of sea salt and great water is, spring water.
0: And starting that in, in the morning starting yes, your day off
2: absolutely yes just start with warm water half cold half hot from the kettle um a good well quarter of a teaspoonful of sea salt and if you want to put in the juice of a quarter of an organic lemon as well it's a wonderful start to yeah, the day that's
1: what i used to, to squeeze a lime yeah. or a lemon into it as yeah
2: well. the keep the um the sea salt kickstarts the electrolytes that we need because we are electrical beings before we're biological, and the lemon alkalizes and helps to sweep through the digestive system to just mop any mop up anything that might be there from the night before. And of course, we're we're dehydrated in the mornings because we lose anything up to and beyond a liter and a half in perspiration, even if we don't notice it then we need to rehydrate. So it's important to have that and then not have anything else for 20 minutes so that we rehydrate while our bodies are in hydration mode before we go into digestive mode. So sorry, that was a bit of a ring roll, but the point about it is it matters, it does something Mm. and it's worth knowing how to do it properly. So um, that's why I mention it.
1: Another food that I I love, the sweet potato, when you were talking about Mm. sweet potato, Mm -hmm. Um, until last year, I'd never tried sweet potato. And I absolutely love it now. So if I'm having a roast on a Sunday, I'll make my roast potatoes out of sweet potato now because I love it. Mm, gorgeous. And another thing I really love is spinach. I just absolutely love spinach um, with fish.
0: Very good for you. Very good for you. Time is moving swiftly on. We've uh, It's 20 to 6. Goodness me. Your second song, Sarah, uh, your second song choice is A Million Dreams from The Greatest Showman. Why did you choose this?
1: Um, I was a late, a late one for watching *The Greatest Showman*. Um, I first watched it about six months ago, and absolutely fell in love with the film, what it's all about, and the song in particular. Um, we listen to it in our house at least once every day, every morning. Me and the children, it 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 wakens us up. It it makes us want to reach our goals for the day. It's, it's one of those feel-good songs. It makes me feel amazing that I can achieve anything. I can do anything. It doesn't matter whether anybody else says. And, um, and that, it has that effect on my children as well. My children are jumping all over the place singing it. Tilly knows the song word for word and she's only three years old. Oh, how um, brilliant. It's such an uplifting, amazing song. Um, I love the whole soundtrack, but this one in particular.
0: Fantastic. Here it is for you, A Million Dreams off The Greatest Showman. What a lovely song that is. Absolutely lovely song. So thank you, Sarah, for choosing that. Um, Going back to your sensory fairy business. So um, sensory fairy is going to be... um, morphing this year with some uh, additional product ranges you were telling me
1: it is yes i've got um, nice big things planned for the century fairy i am going to be creating my own branded products this year the century fairy and um, some plush toys but just not ordinary plush toys and um, i'm going to be creating some visual timetables that will help children with autism and adhd and any kind of additional needs there's a lot of um tools that i want to create um for people to be able to download and then purchase from the online shop as well this year so it will be evolving this year
0: wonderful how exciting so remind us of the website address again please
1: it's www
0: sorry
1: hmm? www dot the sensory dot com
0: excellent Wonderful. And um, Chrissy, your website before I forget to ask you. Yes, it's
2: very simple. It's chrissywhite.com. You just have to spell Chrissy C H R I S Y.
0: Chrissywhite.com.
2: Chrissywhite.com.
0: Marvelous. And uh, my website, which I often forget to tell people, um, and where you'll find details about the retreat, which is on the 29th to the 31st of March this year, is www.perfect-health dot co dot uk and also if anybody out there would like to come on the show um, you can book yourself in go to the elastic fm page on my website so perfect hyphen co uk schedule yourself in you don't have to live locally um sarah's come all the way from cheshire today chris has come up from derby we're actually on the edge of um derbyshire and nottinghamshire we're northeast derbyshire where the um the studio is in Clown. Um, but if you're too far away, then I can do a Zoom call with you. And um, I've interviewed people all over the world, which is uh, jolly exciting. And um, I can't believe I've, I've done way, way over 50 interviews uh, in that have been published already. I've got plenty more that uh, haven't been published yet. So... Um I've had a wonderful year. Well not even a year. Last July uh, no, no, not last April I started um doing the radio show. So met some fantastic people, learnt lots as well. So, um Chrissy, you're um you're known for your uh food, your um your brand actually. Um, part of your brand is the the Vibrant Gourmet, isn't it?
2: That's right, yes, Vibrant Gourmet You can go to the same website at (laughs) vibrantgourmet.com
0: Right, all roads lead to Chrissy White Exactly Marvellous, okay And um, your second song is um, by Carlos Gardel Yes And um, is this one you dance to?
2: This is a piece that I think many people will recognise from the film Scent of a Woman which is some years ago now. It's Al Pacino playing a blind former. Um, naval captain I believe and there's a scene in which he dances the Argentine tango with a young woman he'd met just moments earlier and this is the piece of music that the live orchestra play so lots of people will recognize the piece from the film and uh, I love the Argentine tango it's a passion of mine so this is a wonderful piece to dance to whether it's tango or doing your own thing
0: so here we go, poor Una Kabeza. So we're nearly at the end of the show. I can't believe it. Another two hours has gone and another Tuesday's come round. My mum had a saying it's, uh, it's to, to say how quickly time goes. She'd say, if it's not bedtime, it's Christmas. It's like every minute of the day was bedtime, or if it wasn't bedtime, it was Christmas. And my, my, my week revolves around Tuesdays. Whatever I'm doing, I'll usually be here on a, on a Tuesday. And uh, it's, uh, it's amazing how quick it goes. So, Chrissy, um, the retreat, what do people do um, if they, or how do people get information about the retreat?
2: They can go to your website, uh, Perfect Health with Elaine Godley. That's perfect hyphen health. UK. They can contact either of us via our websites or um, more personal details if they have those. And we are actually, I believe, going to make another video to uh, call out for the last people who know they need to be there or perhaps don't even know about it yet uh, for them to join us because we've just got four weeks or so to go.
0: So um, perfect-health.co.uk or chrissywhite.com um, or Google us or Facebook us, Chrissy White or Elaine Godley. So uh, I'm really looking forward to that. And if the weather's anything like we've got at the moment, it's going to be fantastic, isn't it? Fabulous. Yes, Private I hope garden, so. private walled garden, mm. 500-year-old farmhouse absolutely sheer luxury it's going to be fabulous i can't really can't wait
2: it'll be an amazing time capsule because just being away from your normal surroundings and your normal living partners as it it were or bring them with you if you wish the point is it's a very special place it's a magical area there's some wonderful ancient natural areas trees lakes the district, the whole area, is is ancient land and mostly unspoilt. So it's a very different energy, and it's the perfect place to heal.
0: Wonderful. So the same weekend that we're we're busy, um, Sarah is also going to be busy flouncing around on a catwalk, <laughs> signing books. I mean, how exciting!
1: It is. It's it's going to be um, an absolutely amazing week. I'm going to be walking down the catwalk, feeling very proud. Showing all women that their bodies are beautiful, and then two nights later, I shall be signing books at my book launch in Waterstones in Nottingham.
0: Fabulous! I'm sorry I might be able to make that event, but um, I have a retreat to run. <laughs>
1: I wish I <laughs> never, could fit that in as well. Yeah, that never, that never been perfect. able to say that before.
0: <laughs> <laughs> Marvelous. Okay, so um, Sensory Fairy com yeah the sensory dot com the sensory fairy dot the com. sensory fairy dot com okay and are there any sort of words of wisdom that you'd like to share top tips of uh, helping people perhaps to that, that that have families with special needs um, how to cope.
1: I have lots of tips for that um, but one of my really top tips which I always tell people is um, to help build your children's confidence and self-esteem up. Tell them every day how much you love them, how amazing they are, how beautiful they are, how praise them for the the smallest things that they do. It really is a, a really big important thing and that is my top tip. There are lots of top tips to help children but well, that is my very top tip, is to start with um, helping them to learn to love themselves and accept who they are, even if they are a little bit different to everybody else. That's absolutely fine.
0: Brilliant. Great words of advice. Thank you very much for joining me in the studio this afternoon, Sarah Auger and Chrissy White. Thank you, both of you. Thank you. It's your been a pleasure. Company. And uh, we're going to play out now with uh, one of my favourite songs and one of the very few songs I can dance to um, (laughs) Rocking All Over The World by Status Quo So thank you everybody for listening this week Um, wherever you're listening from I know we've got listeners all over the world now so thank you so much and uh, I will be with you next Tuesday on Elastic FM Bye for now, have a fantastic week whatever you're doing